0: For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Power Punch. Get charged up on the truth. Now, Power Punch with Larry Behrens on Newstalk STL.
1: Well, hello, hello. Fancy meeting you here. You have stumbled into the world, the realm. The whole planet that is Power Punch. I'm in charge here. Uh, it wasn't a big vote. It was just me and it was unanimous. Uh, my name is Larry Behrens. I'm communications director for an organization called Power the Future. And here on Power Punch, we talk about everything, but mostly the intersection of energy and where it impacts your life and the events going on around us and pretty much anything else that you want to talk about. And when I say you, I take a look at the things that I think you want to talk about and then, well, i just keep talking. So come along for the ride. And you know what, if you, if you did last week, I mean, not to brag, but I kind of moved the world you're you're welcome there was uh, something we talked about last week that made it uh, finally into the world of I'm not going to say President Biden because he's still clueless about it and we'll get into that here in a little bit but it made it into the world of what we're talking about with the current crisis in the Middle East and it is really simple that is well let me just get into it we'll'll we'll, we'll lean into it but that is Iran and the money that Iran gets and How do they get it? We all know, we all know, except for our friend, Joe Biden. Let's uh, go to uh, the distinguished gentleman from Delaware who has served in the Senate since 1796, uh, Joe Biden. This was him from the Oval Office on uh, Thursday night.
0: The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world, in the Indo-Pacific, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East. Iran is is supporting Russia you, you, in Ukraine, and it's supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups in the region, and we'll continue to hold them accountable. I might add.
1: So there you have it. Joe Biden is clear about it. We have, according to him, two major conflicts in the world, and in both of those conflicts, there is a central player helping out the other side, as our friend likes to call it. And so, you have to ask yourself, well. If we've identified the one who is stirring up the problems, if we've identified the country that is helping Russia, if we identify the country that is funding Hamas and Hezbollah, what would be something that we can do? No, 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 no. Before everyone freaks out and like, you know, Larry says we're going to go to war. No, 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 no. We have here a president who has connected the dots from A to B, but he maybe needs to get out those alphabet flashcards because he can't get to C. And I'll tell you what CSN, and, and I hesitate to frame it this way, but I have to frame it this way. I have a plan to help Joe Biden. Let's dig into it, shall we? So he was talking Thursday night, and he wanted to establish two things, right? First, he argued, he argues, now that's different from I argue, he's arguing that there's a moral cause for supporting Israel, and that's the same moral cause for supporting Ukraine. Again, his, his words, not mine. Okay, great. And the second argument that he had for us on Thursday night was both of them need money, specifically your money, and specifically my money, and specifically about $74 billion of it. And, and it's really interesting, is it not, that he wants $60 billion for Ukraine, who we've already given tons of cash to, and only, wink, $14 billion for Israel who is just freshly into a war. I don't know where they came up with those numbers and no one has the guts to ask the president. And if they did, he'd probably fall asleep mid question, but let's keep that number in our minds, 74 billion, because it's an important number because we're going to contrast it to what Joe Biden has already given Iran. And this is what we talked about last week. But here we're going to get into it a little more, because if you listen last week, you were able to get in on what everyone was going to be talking about this week. And Senator Ted Cruz was talking about exactly that.
0: Next week, the debate in the Senate should be about cutting off all of the funding for Iran. There's been a lot of focus on the six billion dollar ransom that the Biden administration was trying to pay but the Biden administration has, has allowed over $50 billion to flow to Iran, $6 billion in ransom, $10 billion that they sent three weeks earlier, and over $40 billion in revenues because the Biden administration will not enforce oil sanctions. We need to immediately enforce those sanctions and cut off every single penny that is flowing yeah. to Iran that is funding
1: this terrorist attack. So that's exactly it. And we're going to delve into the numbers a little bit. But so by his own admission, Iran is the central player in two of the biggest conflicts in the world right now. And we all know there's no doubt they are getting a ton of money from illegal oil sales. And that's because Joe Biden is looking the other way. A little quick history lesson again. 2018, then President Trump pulls out of this terrible nuclear deal that Obama and Biden got us into. And he says, we're not going to do it. And Iran, you're not going to sell your oil anymore. We're the United States. We have plenty of oil. Uh, Take a hike. And Iran's oil sales plummeted. Uh, Lo and behold, Tehran no longer had money anymore. And then Joe Biden comes into office. And what happens magically as if, uh, you know, a a, a new day had dawned for Iran. All of a sudden they're able to sell their oil. I'm sure it's just coincidence. Of course it's not coincidence, right? Since Joe Biden took office, let's get into the numbers. Iran oil exports have practically doubled. They are at 3 million barrels per day. And if you want to, you know, uh, have the knife turned after it's already been stuck in your back by the Biden administration, that's about the same amount of barrels that Joe Biden has really harmed domestic production on, give or take. He's trying to make up for it right now by draining SPR and other things, but he did not get those 3 million barrels per day on the world market from the United States. Instead, he looked the other way so that Iran can do it. So the the illegal oil industry is such a big boon to Iran that they had hit record high exports at the end of last year. And they were on record to do it again this year until the attacks on Israel. And as we all know, exporting oil means, importing money and Iran has been able to import a lot of money. You just hear uh, Senator Cruz there throw out a number of how much Iran has been able to get. Some have said 40 billion. Some have said up to 70 million. They're all doing it illegal. So lo and behold, they don't disclose it. Maybe those 87,000 IRS agents can get to the bottom of this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Those guys are meant to come after us. And so this is all money that Iran had in their coffers even before we talk about the 6 billion that they had in that prisoner swap. And so Joe Biden has turned the other way and he said nothing on Thursday about this. He said absolutely zero about enforcing these sanctions. And so here's what I'm going to do. And it's and it's I'm not saying this to be snarky, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying this because I you know there is At least when history is written about what Joe Biden failed, he won't be able to say, well, I didn't have any alternative. Here is an alternative that Joe Biden could do if he chose to, I don't know, put America first. Number one, relatively easy. Enforce those Iran oil sanctions, right? Cut off the money pipeline that goes to Tehran, it's really simple. They're funding terrorists. Don't let them get money, especially illegal money. I know, I know. It's what Trump did, and just like restarting the wall, you'll have to take that uh, terrible news cycle. But since they're funding people who kill innocent civilians, it's particularly children. I, I think you'd be okay by enforcing Iran's oil sanctions, and then let's get crazy. We know that Iran has doubled their production. They're up to three million barrels a day. Where are we going to get those three million barrels from? I'll tell you, buddy we're going to get it from the United States of America. Have you heard of it? They can get that to compensate for the loss of Iran's oil from the world market. He could mandate in that little bill where he's asking for 74 billion for Ukraine and Israel, he could mandate that 3 million barrels come from the United States to make up for what we're going to lose if we actually enforce sanctions on Iran. And now remember, there's been anywhere from 40 billion to 70 billion already flowed to Iran. Joe Biden wants $74 billion for Ukraine and Israel. How is it Joe Biden can allow $70 billion to float Iran and then come to us for $74 billion for these countries? But he's doing that. But he could, as part of this package, and oh, by the way, maybe some members of Congress would support it if he said, you know what? I'm going to make up for this lost oil by getting it from the United States. And lo and behold, that would help pay for this foreign aid. Do you know how much money that we get in tax revenue from oil and natural gas? This is how much those big, terrible oil companies pay. That's right. Those big, terrible oil companies, according to the leftists, they pay $138 billion every year in taxes. That's enough to fund Ukraine and Israel a couple times, Uncle Joe. And if you let them produce more, you would get more money. Then you could send that money. Can you imagine that it would help with our inflation because we would have more oil in the market? It would create jobs. And and by the way, number four here he could do is he could say, you know what, we're actually going to make some energy infrastructure in this country. And I'm talking pipelines. I'm talking refineries. And here's why, because those are built with private dollars. We don't have to, you know, use government money like you do for those EV charging ports. We'll get to you later, EVs private funders will do this. If they know the government will get out of the way, it will lower prices. It will fight inflation here at home. It will create jobs. It will create revenue. It's a win, 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 triple win. It is the easiest decision, but we know Joe Biden will never do it right. We know why he's staying silent on it because he's got that little green loudmouth corner, which, which has anyone noticed the greenies? And the people who are okay with children being murdered seem to be the same group. Has anyone picked up on that? Hey there, squad, looking at you. You know, the Green New Deal came from the squad. And the fact that they want to condemn Israel, who had the audacity of just trying to be innocent, living their lives. And now, it's, you have to wonder if the ideas coming from these insane members of Congress, they, they may not be. In America's best interest. But that hasn't stopped them. And that won't stop any of them because here we have this story. So, by the way, Joe Biden, go ahead and take it. You don't even have to give me credit. You can plagiarize it like you do everything else and go with that plan because it would actually help our country. But I I know you never will because you need those billions from the green groups. But here's something that Joe Biden probably doesn't need. And and this was an education to me because it's not only the squad that's giving Joe Biden headaches, it's his own State Department. President Joe Biden's approach to the ongoing violence in Israel and Palestine is fueling mounting tensions at the U.S. government agency most involved in foreign policy, the State Department. Officials told the Huffington Post, take a breath, understand their source, that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and most of his senior advisors are overlooking widespread internal frustration. Some department staff said they feel as if Blinken and his team are uninterested in their own experts' advice. We're smart. You're not listening to us. There's basically a mutiny brewing within the State Department at all levels. One State Department who wasn't gutsy enough to put his or her name said. Two officials told the Huffington Post that diplomats are preparing what's called a dissent cable. So I didn't know this existed. A dissent cable is a document criticizing American policy that goes to the agency's leaders through a protected internal channel. It's the complaint box at the State Department. We need more fried foods in the break room. Such cables are seen within the State Department as consequential statements of serious disagreements at key historical moments. The dissent channel was established amid deep internal conflicts during the Vietnam War. And diplomats have since used it to warn that the U.S. is making dangerous and self-defeating choices abroad. And so there are people at the State Department. It's not just the squad. There are people at the State Department who are upset with President Biden supporting Israel in this issue. Right. So counterparts in Arab governments across the world are telling the State Department officials the U.S. is at risk of losing support in their region for a generation. If they keep supporting Israel. Oh, Iran may not support us for a generation. Let me get worried about that. So it gets worse here. It says the State Department employees, the negativity is surfacing in a variety of ways. Here's the one that's going to make you puke. Here's our puke uh, line of the day, boys and girls. One official described peers as depressed and angry about it all, end quote, while another said some staff members are experiencing resignation. That official recalled a colleague in tears during a meeting over their view that U.S. policy statements emphasize support for Israel over the lives of Palestinians. The call is coming from inside the house. You know, Donald Trump doesn't get enough credit for a lot of things, but one of them is the deep state. When we talked about the deep state, these are the people they're working at the state department. They attach their names anonymously to things. They don't have the guts to attach their names to it. And throughout the article, it's like, well, some of them aren't even considering quitting. You're not going to quit. You're on the government dole. There's no way you're going to quit. You're going to whine and moan and keep talking anonymously to the press and siding with murderers. It's not fun. And we have a willing press that is all too happy to help them. Speaking of willing press, we're going to talk about that. A whole lot more coming up, but it's break time, baby. Take a breath. Take it in. Clean up that, you know, vomit that I helped induce by quoting the Huffington Post. And we'll be right back right after this.
0: Get more Power Punch at NewstalkSTL.com. You're listening to Power Punch with Larry Behrens on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Get charged up on the truth. This is Power Punch with Larry Behrens on Newstalk STL.
1: And welcome back to Power Punch. So glad you stuck with us through that first segment. I I I realize it could be you know difficult when we send ideas to Joe Biden that may actually help our nation, but we do it in the in the hope that he he would actually consider helping our nation. But we know this was the guy that was less than two months ago said that climate change was the biggest threat to mankind. I, I did anyone notice on Thursday night did he mention climate once? Oh, that's right, he didn't. Those poor state department employees, maybe that's why they're crying over there. They're worried about the carbon footprint of Hamas. They're going to run to the press. Hey, speaking of the press, you and I both saw the press just screw it up big time this week, didn't you? In in so many ways and and it is you know, it, it's kind of like the Washington generals finding a, a, a new worst way to lose a game. Uh, kudos to you if you get the reference. When we talk about the press failure, there is a constant stream of failure. The, the failure is always kind of at a flood level. But this week it went to extreme flood level because, well, they're just the worst. And we all know why. Right. We all saw the initial reports of the evil Israelis striking a hospital. And then when the facts came in, it wasn't really true, was it? How, how's it going over there, squad? Oh, those tweets are still up. Great. And we saw the, the probably these crying State Department employees and so many in the media rush to just grab onto this. Because if, as time goes by, and they know this, as time goes by, you know, we start to sometimes lose sensitivity to the heinous, brutal attacks that we saw, to dead children, to just evil personified. And sadly, it looks like they think the timer is about 10 days because they were so quick to run with that narrative. And we're going to delve into that. And then I'm going to tell you how it's going to get worse. Come along, won't you? So if you don't know, this is from Reason Magazine. There's a gentleman. He's very important. And I'll tell you why his name is Ben Collins. He's a reporter for NBC news and his name didn't ring a bell to me and it shouldn't to you either. Cause you should never trust NBC news, but he specializes in coverage of disinformation, extremism, particularly on social media. Hey Ben, would you like a job calling out your political opponents? Wait, you'll pay me for that. That's what Ben does. And he does it so well, his work has earned him an award, the 2023, hey, that's this year, Walter Cronkite Award for Excellence in Television Political Journalism. Good for you, Ben. You're a winner. Is it, I mean, there is nothing more exquisite than watching journalists give each other awards and then tell you how great they are because of the awards they've received. Right. Oh, side note. I, you know, when I worked in TV news, all those awards were the station of the year, according to, uh, Joe Bob's Crab shack down on I 45, those awards, they rotate them. And they're given by organizations where the station is a member and the station's not a member, no matter how good news you do, they will never pick you. It's kind of like the publisher's clearinghouse. You have to subscribe to the magazines to win. That's how it works. And they just rotate them. Oh, uh, so-and-so hasn't won in forever. Okay. They're this year's winner. That's all it is. So Ben is treated as an expert in the burgeoning field of countering the spread of misinformation. Good for you, Ben. Yet his error rate is noteworthy. So if we go back this week a little bit, the New York Times ran with a headline that said, Israeli strikes kill hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say, end quote. Now, underneath the headline was an image of an obliterated building, but readers had to squint to find out that that was not a picture of the hospital. It was a completely different target. The Times' only source for information about the explosion was the Gaza Health Ministry. Yeah, you know those guys that attacked innocent civilians? We believed them. That, that's what the New York Times did. And, and I know, sky's blue, New York Times is wrong. I I, I get it. It's it's not that big of a story. But here's where our buddy Ben comes in. The award-winning disinformation expert helped circulate the inaccurate claims of the Palestinian authorities when other voices on social media recommended caution. So they're telling him, Ben, we don't know this yet. You shouldn't be doubling down on this information that the only people who have said it are the terrorists. He chimed in, To assert that any delay in reporting the horrific casualty numbers represented a profound moral failing. This is the award-winning expert on disinformation. Willingly saying that disinformation is okay because you have to be fast. It's a moral obligation. The story is so bad that you have an obligation to run with it right now. In theory, the confusion surrounding the hospital explosion is a great topic for a self-described disinformation reporter. Many left-wing writers and political figures recklessly endorsed the Palestinian view that Israel had bombed the hospital. Oh, there you are, squad. We know you would be there. Now, you have to keep in mind that Collins represents the journalistic side of a multi-faced effort to monitor and eliminate uh, purportedly wrong ideas. Disinformation tracking has become an industry unto itself and aspects of the industry enjoy government funding. Ah, See, it's not just for Hamas anymore. A disinformation watchdog that called on advertisers to divest from various non-liberal news sources, including Reason Magazine, the ones writing this article, received funding from the U.S. State Department. So let's bring it all together, boys and girls, shall we? As we, you know, I'm here in the closet putting together the conspiracy map with the yellow, with the red yarn, making the lines we have employees at the state department who are crying because the president has the audacity to speak nicely of victims of terrorism and they're crying. And so they send money to organizations that then go after advertisers of news sources that they don't like. And and, and your boy Ben here, your is more than happy to have terrible information because keep in mind, he's the arbiter of what is disinformation or not disinformation, but he's chimed in to assert that any delay in reporting the horrific casualty numbers represented a profound moral failing. We don't know the casualty numbers. Even now, days later, we don't know. It doesn't matter, does it? Well, I'm sorry to say it gets so much worse. And I, I I, bring these lines to you. And again, I know, I know it sounds... I'm willing. I'll be that guy. You want to call me a tenfold hat guy? That's fine. I bring these numbers to you and these points to you because we have to see where these lines are going. Because something that pops up as a daisy in one field was actually funded by a gardener that hates daisies. That was the worst analogy in the history of analogies. But you know what I'm talking about. Something that is completely unrelated and looks like it's standalone journalism was actually funded by people who want to keep one side of the story away from you and what they do is when they can't keep the story to one side as we saw when these brutal attacks first started they'll wait they'll wait and cover until there's something they think they can latch their teeth into like a hospital bombing and then they'll say look 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 over here don't look it over there. Look, look, look over here. But they were wrong, and they got caught being wrong. And has anybody been fired? Ben still has a job, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Well, in you know trying to get the trifecta of terrible news today, I've talked about the New York Times. I talked about the Huffington Post. Come on over, Washington Post. We got this one for you. And I'm not going to read the. Well, I will read some of the color that the Washington Post did, but. Here's uh, what we had fun with, and then we'll get to the the <laughs> we'll get to the terrible part," he said out loud. So uh, this happened on Friday, and it was uh, you know what? It just warmed my cold heart. The social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter, has removed the gold verified badge from the New York Times account amid ongoing complaints about the news organization from ex owner Elon Musk. Do you see how the post frames this? They said the owner of the social media platform is complaining. So he took away. Yeah, he was the only one. He was the only one that the New York Times ticked off this week. Just him. But see if they can make it about him, then it seems petty. Then it doesn't make it about the fact that the New York Times lied and was wrong and was more than happy to accept the company line from terrorists. They don't want to talk about that. The badge was only a symbol distinguishing the Times' 55 million follower account from imposters amid two major global conflicts in Israel and Ukraine. So then they're saying, oh, it's not, it wasn't that important to begin with, but Elon Musk took it away. The badge was removed on Tuesday without notice. A person familiar with the change said, the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and Associated Press, CNN, Bloomberg, sorry, other news organizations still had their gold badges. You still get your gold badge. On Thursday afternoon, the Times accounts are related to coverage of world news, health and subjects. So if they had other accounts that are on different subjects, they still they kept their gold badge. The move the, here's the line that is funny. The move further extends Musk's attempts to use the social media company he bought with claims of defending free speech to undercut news organizations he did, he dislikes. Washington Post says it's all about Elon. It's not about the New York Post getting it wrong. And we can argue all day and night, whether it was intentionally wrong or just accidentally wrong, but when they show you who they are, believe them. So he takes away their, and again, this was worthy of a story in the Washington post, right? The same ones that wouldn't run Hunter Biden's laptop pictures, literal pictures. Did you see the New York times lost their gold star? Woo. I mean, it is insane how quickly they will rally to each other and, and make no mistake about it because they say Elon took away the gold star. There'll be an award in like the next two months for the New York Times bravery. Maybe there's a Pulitzer. Uh, we've awarded the 2023 Pulitzer to the New York Times because they lost their verified badge on Twitter. Whoa. Such bravery. But that's the Washington Post for you. Dem- you know, democracy dies in darkness or something. Well, speaking of democracy dying, here we go. This came out this week too. So nearly two dozen, that's 24 plus for kids like me who are at the third grade level of math, nearly two dozen liberal foundations will begin dropping, wait for it, 500 million into propping up local media infrastructures to drive coverage of issues that include criminal justice reform and climate change ahead of the 2024 elections. <sighs> I'll try to keep going. The initiative called Press Forward consists of 22 left wing foundations and was organized by the MacArthur Foundation, which has pumped millions of dollars into progressive journalistic endeavors to create equitable future by informing, engaging and activating. blah, 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 more word salad crud. The effort will likely aid Democrat candidates who espouse those stances as a byproduct of its mission. The MacArthur Foundation, meanwhile, is linked to the Biden administration through the president's Community Violence Intervention Collaborative, which seeks to reduce gun violence, according to the White House press release from last year. So here you have this organization getting ready, and and where did they get 500 million from? Kind of like Iran. Where 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 did you get that 70 billion from? Where'd you get that 500 million from? Oh, that's right. Joe Biden passed. A green bill that was loaded with money, and now he's getting some return on that investment, right? 500 million. And keep in mind when he's sending 60 billion to Ukraine, hey, news organizations, 500 million, you're a cheap date. You should at least hold out for more if you're gonna sell your integrity. They're sending these dollars to influence the news that you're going to read, and it will not be disclosed. They will not share with you who's funding their news. And you have to ask yourself, if you have liberal colleges funded by the government, turning out liberal journalists, who then go to work at liberal papers, who then send news that is factually wrong, but in the other cases, they obfuscate any other side uh, besides what their liberal side is. And then when people stop Reading their papers because they know it's lies, and advertisers stop with them because they know it's lies. They stop losing money. Well, they can't turn to the government for help, unless you're a crying State Department employee, I guess. No, it is going to be a nonprofit, and we're here to save journalism. We're just sending money to the local paper, and and I got to tell you, this is how it works, and this is this is the troublesome part. There's lots of troublesome parts, but this is the most troublesome part. If you're in a rural area. You probably know your local newspaper reporter. You may even know the local owner, assuming it's not a huge chain. And you know that probably the editor of that paper, as I deal with them, I deal with lots of editors of of small town papers. They have 50 different jobs. They're also the head advertising guy. They're the layout person. They write the obituaries as well as the front page. They they are overworked. And here you have this organization coming in and saying, hey, here's a cool hundred thousand here's a cool 200,000. Why don't you hire a person or two? In fact, we, we have some people in mind to come work at your paper. No, 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 no. You, you, you can report on, on what you want. I mean, these are the values we have as an organization, but you, you go ahead and report on what you want. Wink. And that is media laundering because then that story comes from the local you know Democrat Tribune or whatever little paper and then that reporter gets a job at a bigger paper and a bigger paper and next thing you know they're, they're they're running the social media campaign at the New York Times and that's how we get the lies we get but here you're gonna get the truth you get hey I'm up against the break how'd that happen I'll tell you how it happened we we're having too much fun there's more coming at you in the last second.
0: Get more Power Punch with Larry Barons at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Power Punch with Larry Barons on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Get charged up on the truth. You're listening to Power Punch with Larry Barons on News
1: Talk STL. We're back. It's the final segment here on Power Punch. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hey, if you need a little dose of this during the week, come on over to PowerTheFuture.com or you can hit us up on the Twitters at Larry Barons. I always like hearing from you. And, you know, maybe if you say something just really angry at me and really maddling, I'll just give you the Greta Thunberg, how dare you gif and we'll move on. Don't worry, Greta. We're going to get to you here in a little bit, but you know what we have? <laughs> we have the New York times, uh, caught being honest. And that is uh th- that's worthy of a discussion. We're going to get to that as well. I liked, I'm trying to lighten it up in the last segment, but I need to, to hit the pause button on the lightness a little bit because we just need to take a moment to take a look in the Middle East. And I know it's being talked about everywhere and we're, we're all watching developments as they happen and the things that happen and how they impact everyone's life. But let's just take a moment, please, and realize what we had just four years ago in the Middle East. And I was going to search it up before the show and, and I neglected to do that. But I mean, just off the top of my head, you had Israel and Arab countries formally recognizing each other. You had the United States embassy in Jerusalem. You had these things that were happening that was stable and, 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 and moving on the road to peace. And we had the left screaming, you reelect this guy, you reelect him. It's going to be world war III." Well, here's a, here's the latest dispatch. From the Trump will start World War III crowd. This is uh, in America this week. The U.S. Department of State, where people are crying behind the scenes, issued a rare worldwide caution alert on Thursday urging any American who is overseas to exercise increased caution due to increased tensions in various locations around the world. The U.S. said there is also an increased potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens. (sighs) Ah. So not only for Americans in Israel, Americans in Lebanon, Americans in Ukraine, it's any American anywhere outside of the United States. Worldwide caution. They told us Trump would start World War III and now we have to take worldwide caution just stepping outside of our borders. This is what we have created. And, and I can't help but contrast it to what we had four years ago. And call me what you want. Call me, you know, you're a Trumper, a MAGA Republican, whatever. Call me whatever you want. You cannot deny four years ago that we had much less worry about American lives overseas than we do now. And even Joe Biden's own State Department says it's that bad and and you have to i have to ask them why do you think we're uh, under a potential terrorist threat who are the terrorists and where do they get their money oh that's right from the same administration sending this worldwide caution to us the lies pile up and i'm going to do a hard shift to a different subject right now speaking of hard shift let's talk about evs you know what's interesting and i think i mentioned it in the last segment joe biden it was September 10th. Here's it, it work with me on this. September 10th of this year, Joe Biden says climate change is the worst threat to mankind, even worse than nuclear war. Didn't mention it Thursday night. September 11th, Joe Biden f- releases a frozen $6 billion so Iran can get their grubby hands on it. That's after looking the other way on oil sanctions. And why does Joe Biden love oil as long as it's not produced in the United States? He made a dirty deal with Venezuela this week. He's making, he's looking the other way on Iran, even though they fund terrorists. And now we have to you know, watch our backs when we step outside the country. Like when you go to New Mexico, I kid kind of. And so it's all because of the green agenda, right? That's why Joe Biden won't take my advice on uh, bringing up American energy production. That's why he is just turning a blind eye to Iran because he needs more oil in the world market. He knows he can't have it here so his green friends won't get mad, but he needs it. And so that's why he won't mention the billions Iran is making from their oil because he needs Iran to do it. Even though Iran uses the money to murder. The green agenda rules all, but well, not quite all. It happened this week. This is uh from the Wall Street Journal. It's a hard life on the road, especially when the journey involves politically correct transportation. We've seen it. Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm, Pete Buttigieg trying to make these journeys on EVs to show you how great they are. Electric vehicles are the best. Now, a New York Times reporter, that's right, New York Times, maybe this is why you lose your verification badge? Work with me. A New York Times reporter shares another disappointment on the boulevard of broken green dreams. Oh turn of phrase i wish i had thought of the times identifies david gillis as a correspondent on the climate desk and here you go we're talking about the money funding these journalists they got i'm sure some grant money and the grant money said hey it's uh, you can report what you want it just has to be climate so they created the climate desk and they had this reporter david gillis a correspondent on the climate desk that suggests he's at least open to the idea of inefficient transport i.e. EVs. So sure enough, Mr. Gellis reports in the Times Climate Forward newsletter that he's had good experience with his Tesla and its charging network. That's right, when you're living in Manhattan, Tesla magically works. It seems like I don't have to drive that far. It seems like there's charging stations everywhere. It just magically works. But he says his recent reservation for a Tesla rental wasn't honored in Minneapolis. Oh my gosh. And he got more than he bargained for when he accepted an all-electric Volvo recharging car instead. And, and I just want to take a pause for a moment and talk about, on one hand, you have the Washington Post just slamming Elon Musk and their personal vendetta. On the other hand, they're like, buy a Tesla again. I can't. Can you imagine the mental gymnast, gymnastics it takes to be a greenie? That is just insane, is it not? I hate Elon. I hate him. I'm going to get him my Tesla and go whine about it. So, this is what the New York Times reporter wrote. My destination was 154 miles away. And a, a news flash to the reporter from Manhattan 154 miles for rural folks, not that long. It's not that far. So 154 miles away, he was heading for a farm on the South Dakota border where, quote, I was researching a story on innovative farming practices. Now, unlike my previous EV rentals, this would be a bit of a road trip, the kind of a long drive through sparsely populated farmland that is a hallmark of an American car culture. That's right. It's your fault. Rule America. You don't love the EV people. Now, he said his Volvo promised 200 miles of range. So it's kind of like the green agenda as a whole. It promises what it'll do. But I figured I would find a charger along the way and then charge on the way back. No big deal. Except he was wrong. After two hours, a whopping two hours of driving, the Volvo's battery was below 50%, so he uses the car's built-in software to find a charging station not far ahead. Oh, good. He found one. Upon arrival, downloaded the app on his phone, offered up his credit card, because you have to pay for that electricity, right? Within moments, the Volvo told me it was charging all is well. Unicorns are dancing. Fairies are singing. He's just happy is green utopias coming together a half hour later. Yeah. Cause that's how long it takes with an EV. I glanced at the display to check the charging progress. I was dismayed to see that the battery had gained just 2%. Was someone using a blender? Is that what it was? It's Elon's fault. I'm sure the charger was not nearly as powerful as Tesla's supercharger. I had used and the Volvo wouldn't be fully charged until 1 AM. That wouldn't work. So this is the guy covering EVs, and he said the frustrating experience ended with a tow truck and has inspired him, are you ready for this? To claim that rental car companies should warn people about the lack of charging stations. It's never their fault, is it? The New York Times lies about a hospital bombing. It's Elon's fault for taking away their badge. The EV is the worst design product uh, since, I don't know, New Coke. And it's uh, it's all your fault, rule America, because you don't have enough charging stations for what we need. They never, ever, ever look in the mirror. Well, buried in this article is a history lesson that most liberals don't know that you may because you're a smart, educated, and wise audience, but I'm going to share it again uh, just for the folks at the Natural Resources Defense Council who are listening. Let me see here. And then I lost it. Well, that was really good. So... We have to go back to 1897, boys and girls. It was the year Joe Biden celebrated 30 years in the Senate. It's 1897. The electric carriage and wagon company in Philadelphia assembled a fleet of electric-powered taxis for New York City. Oh, he could have got one then. By 1902, the Pope Manufacturing Company in Hartford, Connecticut, had built around 900 electric vehicles, most most of which were used as cabs. That same year, Studebaker, which had gotten its start in horse-drawn wagons, entered the car market in Indiana with an electric model. Through the early 1900s, electric Electric vehicles ran smoother and quieter than their gas-guzzling, their words not mine, internal combustion-powered rivals. However, where the electric car stumbled was range. It couldn't go far between recharges. By 1920s, gas-powered rivals emerged as the clear winner, a twist of history that engineers are now trying to work furiously to undo. We've been down this literal and proverbial road before, have we not? And I bring this into it because A, I talk about energy and and the green agenda a lot, but B, I want you to to just draw the correlation. The same people pushing this radical green energy agenda are the same ones who were quick to say the hospital bombing was all Israel's fault. So you have to ask yourselves, what is the political ideology of it? What is, what is it about them that makes them like the green agenda when it seems like they are partnering with those who want to harm the innocent? And it's not negligence. It's not because they're dumb. It's because that the agenda that they push undermines the things that we need and the things that we have built here in the United States. And it's not a coincidence the same people who support the gray new deal are the same people who supported and were quiet as israeli citizens were slaughtered and you may think that's a stretch but the sad part is It's the truth. And here's the topper to prove it today. Climate activist Greta Thunberg, your favorite person in mind, has deleted a pro-Palestinian post on Twitter following some backlash. So it was on early Friday morning. She's 20-year-old. Swedish activist posted a since-deleted photo of herself and three other activists with signs that read, free Palestine, climate justice now. This Jew stands with Palestine and stand with Gaza. They're the same people. They can look at atrocious terrorism, the worst day for those of the Jewish faith since the Holocaust and not have any sympathy. These are the ones pushing this agenda upon it. It is not coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it bears knowing anytime you see the leftists fighting to take our freedoms away, whether that is the freedom to live, if you're an Israeli citizen, to the gas stove in your house. It's all coming from the same deranged place. And we need to call it what it is. It is absolute communistic terrorism. And those who can't call it out, or worse, continue to promote it in the eyes of evidence that proves That the innocent are being harmed. It's not a matter of this is just our political opponent. There's a moral bankruptcy to it that we have to call out and recognize. And so the good news is Greta took the stuffed octopus out of one picture and quickly reposted the picture where she says stand with Gaza. That's right. The place where the murderers came from. I don't even know how to end it that way. If you want to send your hate mail to me, you can send it to Larry at powerthefuture.com. I'm always glad to quickly delete it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, let's talk again next week.
0: You know? Get more Power Punch with Larry Barons at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Power Punch with Larry Behrens on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.